theyeshiva.net. Vezeu is on top. Vezeu vehine anachnu ma'almim alumim b'teichasadu. After this long hagdama, this long introduction, the Maim started the Pasek, Vehinei Anachnum Almim Alumim. Yosef's first dream is that we were all in the field. After harvesting the grain, we were Ma'almim Alumim, and Aluma is, it's called in English a sheave. When you take grain and you create piles out of them, they make big piles and bind them together. And that's what we're doing. We're binding our sheaves together. And my aluma, my sheave, my bundle of wheat stood up and it remained standing, it remained erect. And then all of your sheaves, all of your bundles of wheat or grain prostrated themselves. They bowed down which for the brothers was a trigger of uh, tremendous negative feelings as they told them what you're going to rule over us, you're going to be our king. And they loathe them even more afterwards. So, so the Baimah began with the Pasuk from Bayishlach, Elu HaMolochem HaShemolchu Baritz Edom Lefnei Melech Malach Lebnei Yisro. That there's the kings who reigned in Edom before there was Melech Malach Lebnei Yisro. Those are the seven kings of Olam HaToyu which experienced Shvirus HaKelem. The whole big Arichis, what Shvirus HaKelem is, in the Shamas and Malachim, in Kaychus Alekim, and the Avoid of Birur HaNetzutus, Avoidus HaBirurim, all explained at length previously in the Maimah. So the Balatani continues, V'zav This is the meaning, the deeper meaning of this story, that we are all binding sheaves in the field. And it says, it's all of us. In other words, all of them were doing this. This is not just a dream about sheaves and bundles. This captures, it's symbolic of the whole Avaida, the work of all the Shvat, Reuven, Shimon, etc. That's what Yosef says, all of us are doing this. The differences was later, the difference was later that Yosef's bundle stood up and they bowed down. That he'll get to later. But the first thing is, before that, everyone is in his dream. What does this represent? So he says, that this captures the whole Aveda of the Shvatim as the forerunners of the Jewish nation. Yaakov's 12 sons who would become each of them the father of the Jewish people, fathers of the Jewish people, Reuven for the tribe of Reuven, Shimon for the tribe of Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, all the way down till Yosef and Binyamin. So there, this dream of Yosef represents their entire Avaida. Literally, you learn a dream. Why couldn't the dream be about just boiling down to them? That's how dreams work. Dreams work with symbolisms, Right. Dreams, uh, those of you who dream, you know, right? The dreams attach themselves to sheaves in the field or in today's generation or other things that people people deal with. But the truth is, he's saying something that there's something very profound in what Yosef was saying. First, he explains it in the in, in terminology of Kabbalah and then he goes back to the story. 
שהיו מבדד עם הניצוצים שנפלו בבחינת פירוד בשבירת הכלב. Their Aveda was what's called Aveda Sabirurim. They were Mavarir. Mavarir means they clarified, they selected, they sifted out, they sublimated, they elevated, they refined, refined. The sparks, the divine sparks that fell down, that went through a traumatic transformation on a fill of fall, through Shvirah Sakeh, and they all became Pirud, they all became fragmented through the breaking of the vessels. And the word is Dafka Nefillah. There's a difference between a gradual descent and falling. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. We all understand the difference. When somebody is descending gradually, you're anticipating it. It's part of the plan. I'm on top of the building, and now it's time to go down. You take the ramp, you take the steps, you take the elevator. You're on top of a mountain. It's time to get down. So the Yerida is in one continuum. There's a connection to where you were. A fall is very different. A fall, by definition, is a sudden... A sudden experience, it could be a traumatic experience, it's a shock. A person physically can hurt themselves very badly. There's no relationship, this was not expected. The person after the fall is not the person before the fall. So physically, there can be a big fall, a small fall. Spiritually, what's the difference of a yurida and a nefila? A nefila means, a, a, it's like a, what you would call a quantum leap, or a shvira, a breaking, a nefila, in today's language, you would say there's a trauma there. It's not an expected yirida that you can integrate into your identity. It breaks it. And suddenly there's a new metzias here that you cannot recognize the old metzias anymore. There's a, quant- there's a very powerful gulf between the former and the latter. That's what shvira means. Shvira sakelem is that the netzaitzas can't recognize themselves anymore. That's the whole idea we spoke about in the previous shiurim, that in everything there's a nitzitz, but I can't recognize it anymore. I, re, I de- redefine myself in a new way because I went through a nefillah and there's a need for assistance to be able to bring out. That's what, that's what birur, mevaradim. Mevaradim means, first of all, to find it and to bring it up, to be mevaradim, to find it, to excavate it, to isolate it in the positive sense, to highlight it and to help it be restored to its previous glory, to help the base and the reish, and the vav and the chaf, to come back to Baruch. First of all, I have to see the nitzitz. The nitzitz could be very covered up. And even when it's co- even when I find it, it's a post shvira nitzitz. It's a different nitzitz. It went through a shvira. And therefore, I have to be able to find it and bring it, bring it back. I don't mean physically bring it back, mentally. So that was their avodah. They would elevate them. Man is an acronym of Mayin Nukvin, which literally means feminine waters, which in Kabbalistic language always represents the avoid of a person below. Like the feminine waters is the inspiration that comes from below. Hashem and the Jew is considered like a husband and a wife. So there's something called Mayin Dukhrin and Mayin Nukvin. Mad and Man. That Rizal's writing. Man is the feminine waters, and Mad, Mayin Dukhrin, is the masculine orgasmic flow. One represents the inspiration from above, so to speak, and one represents the inspiration from below. So, they would elevate these sparks. Mayin Nukhrin, the feminine waters, to be able to be reabsorbed in Malchus of Atzillus, which is where all the Nitzotzes come from. In other words, in the world of oneness, 
What happens? It's not just it gets elevated, there's complete unity. All the sparks are one. Why? Because they were rediscovered, they were re-subsumed, they were subsumed, and nichlal, they become part of the cloud of Achdus Hashem. Like the base and the nation of Av and the Chaf are now one. Why? Because they're part of one word. They're they're, 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 they're kalim. They're not shover anymore. When the keli is broken, it doesn't contain, it doesn't convey the earth. When the pieces of the keli are recreated and it's a whole keli, now the light flows through it. If the light flows through it, so then every part of it is really part of oneness. The base and the ration of Ovan the Chaf, as we explained. That's the meaning of the words. We're binding, we're connecting sheaves. Al-Derech Moshul, Yosef HaTzadik is employing a metaphor. Just like when you tie together Amorim. Amorim are... Uh, huh? Piles of hay. Piles of hay, yeah. Or piles of grain. Piles. You bring together many stalks. A Shibaylis is like a stalk. And there's many, many stalks, but each stalk stands on its own. But you create a kibbutz, you create a gathering, you connect them, you bring them together, and then you don't just make a pile, because the pile could then go become scattered again. You want to really tie them together, that it becomes one entity. It's not anymore a stalk, it's part of a pile. So it doesn't, back to, back to your bittle, the individual stalk doesn't get ruined. <laughs> it's not like when you, you take a stalk from an isolated place, you begin, no, 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 you're killing me, you're destroying me. That's not what happens. On the contrary, this allows the shibailas, the stalk, to ultimately be brought to where it has to be brought to the silo and be processed and whatever you're going to do with it, whether it's animal fodder or it's going to be used for food for the person or it's going to be used for other purposes. <laughs> for build, for building bricks, whatever the point, the point of if it's straw, if it's wheat, if it's uh, grain, you're going to use the kernels to eat. But in any case, it allows it to come to its ultimate purpose. So he says. So the, what's ma'alma malumim? Ma'alma malumim is taking many and turn it into one, taking the many shibolim and turning it into one mitzvah of a uh, uh, of an aluma of of a sheaf. This is the definition of an aluma. Many stalks connected and combined and tied together. Initially, the stalks were all separated from each other. They were divided. They were separate. This stalk was here and this stalk was there. What does the aluma do? The aluma takes many stalks and unites them, brings them together. This is mamish, a metaphor. In other words, it's literally a physical reflection of this avoida we're talking about. This is the very concept of birudim and the elevation of the sparks explained. When you elevate them from turi, the prudim means mountains of separation. Mountains of separation represents the ultimate ego in the sense that I am very smug, I'm tall in my pride and my ego, and therefore I'm disconnected from you. And when you take them away from your mylam, you elevate them, 
Because Tura de Pruda comes from a place of, of nefila, of shvira, of brokenness. And therefore, I don't know who I am. There's an insecurity there, which is why I have to also become arrogant. Insecurity and arrogance are usually two sides of the same coin. And that's all the mountains of separation. What does, so what do you do? To become absorbed through through the avoid of the person. Again, the feminine waters. In the unity, in the oneness of Hashem. So what happens? All the sparks are recreated and become absorbed from the state initially where it was fragmented and divided and defined by multiplicity as discussed. And that's the point we spoke before. The Pasuk says, Micha Amcha Ki Yisrael or Micha Amcha Yisrael Goy Echad Baaretz that the Achdos of the universe and the Achdos of a person is not felt Baaretz, on the contrary. Baaretz is just a bunch of stalks. You are of your stalk, I have my stalk. Within myself, there's endless stalks. Every Shibaylis stands on its own, or when it's harvested, it lays on the floor on its own. The avayda of ma'alma ma'alumim is to create a oneness, to show the integration and the synthesis of the whole bria. So an aluma does it with a few stalks, but it's metaphoric of doing this avayda with the entire being of a person, their environment, their world, and ultimately the whole planet and the whole universe. The goy echad ba'aretz, to be megala ve'echad. When a Jew, for example, takes a drink, you take a cup of water, a cup of juice, a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, whatever you're, whatever you're drinking, and we make a bracha before. What do you say in the bracha? Baruch atah Hashem, alekeinu malachayilam, shahakoil niya bidvarah. So if you think about those words, there's a lot in those words. I know we don't think much about it. We do it a lot many times a day, but you think it. But before, there's the Baruch, the word Atta, the word Hashem, the word Alekeinu, the word Melech, the word Ha'olam. Every word here is Agantze Velt. And the final words are Shahakal Niyah Bidvare. Blessed are you, Hashem, the King of the world, that everything, Shahakal Niyah, Niyah comes from the word Haya or Haive, Niyah. Everything came into existence. Everything is. The isness of everything. Shahakal, everything. Nia came into being. It is. Haya, it was. Haiva is. Yia is. Nia, everything is. Bidvare through his word. So a Jew is drinking a cup of water, a simple cup of water that he took from the sink or took from a bottle. And before you drink this cup of water, you start making a statement. <laughs> which is a very grand statement. Essentially, that one line is a very profound uh, presentation in philosophy and cosmology <laughs> and theology and history and religion. <laughs> it's a little kid drinking a cup of water. But here you see it almost practically what the Maimah is saying. 
I'm not just, you could drink a cup of water. Or you could reveal what the cup of water is. Shahakal Bidvana. The cup of water, when you when you when you can appreciate what these drops of water is. So it's a drop of water. On a deeper level, you have every every drop of water is comes from water molecules. And every molecule of water comes from the atoms that make up the molecules of water, the hydrogen and the oxygen. And you go deeper and deeper into the water. What is it? Shahakal niyabidvare. It's the Dvar Hashem. It's an articulation of divine energy. But you don't only talk about the water. You talk about shahakal. Who's talking about shahakal? Hakal means everything. I'm talking about water. No. Once you go to Dvaroi, his drinking of the water is part of the whole symphony of creation. The water in its way and me drinking it in my way and the connection to the whole world becomes a real Matthias. So this Jew drinking the cup of water from a, from a Jewish perspective, it's a revolution. It's redefining the world from a place of Pirut into a place of Achdos. That's what you're doing. From a place of fragmentation, of division, to a space of oneness. Every moment is an opportunity for Goy Echad Baritz. Every mitzvah, essentially, that's its theme, in one way or another way. And you see it clearly in this bracha, that's why I'm emphasizing it. Takes a cup of water, and what is he? There's a meditation now before I drink it, that this is part of Shahakal Nebedvore, including this cup of water. And the moment the nitzutz is identified and elevated, it's taka part of Shahakal. It's only all part of Shahakal because it's really one, like the symphony we spoke about. That's the marshal that Yosef speaks about, Ma'almim Aluma. Anachnu Ma'almim Aluma Betoy Chasod. Which will help us later understand why the Shvatim are so upset that they now have to bow down to his. Real unity. <laughs> if there's a real unity here, so why are we bowing down to your bundle? Yeah? Everybody is equal, but some people are more equal than others. Is that how it works? <laughs> What's going on here? Well, we'll get to that later. This is where there's a misunderstanding about Achdos. But... At this point, Yosef says, this is what we're doing. And that's why it's in the field. Where do you do it? You're in the field. That's also not a coincidence. It's known as, uh, we say, by the, in, in, the, in the Zmidus of Shabbos, right? Friday night. This is the meal of... The field of holy apples. Chakal is a field. Chakal is soda. And tapuchin is apples. Chakal tapuchin is the field of apples. So he says, Upchinas chakal tapuchin, shehimalchus da atzilus. Which is the name used for malchus, the last sphere of atzilus. Shalashom nichlal hamayin nukvin kenaida. Over there, the mayin nukvin comes into. In other words, over there is the eskalalus of all the nitzutsus. The Manitus on Mesalat Malchus that says, What's Malchus that says, Malchus that says, is the, the sphere that's before Bria, pre Bria, in other words, that everything becomes part of Achtos Hashem, the way it's felt in Oilam Hatzilis. That's why they're doing it in the field, they're bringing all the Nitsutsis into the field, into the Chakal Tapuchim, which is Malchus of Hatzilis. It's the level of Ban? Yeah, yeah, Ban, Ban of Hatzilis, yeah. 
which is pre-Briya, which is pre-Olam Habriya, yeah. That's what he said right in the beginning, yeah. Connection. Which is why there's a, which is why there's a second step of their alumos bowing down to Yosef's, because the first step is it goes to band Atzilus, which is Malchus of Atzilus. But then there's yet a second step, which he's going to discuss later. Ah, why apples? You could ask this every Friday night. Why Chakalta Puchin Kaddishin? Huh? He does, but you're not there. Good answer. Oh. <laughs> I, I heard something once that, uh, I don't know if it's two apples or only fruit that have colors red and green and they symbolize Gura uh, and maybe something together. Very That's a good question, but it's not for now. It's, but it's a good question. Why apples? Why chakal tapuchim? <coughs> we'll leave it for another time. Bli neder, ah? What's the nun in the mayim? Um, Nukvin, feminine. How do you spell it? Nun, vav, kuf, vez, yud, nun. Mayin, nukvin. It's Aramaic. Nukvin. Nukvin from the word nekeva, which is feminine, female. There's man and there's mad. Mayanukvin and Mayanukvin. For Oidza is Mashanikra, lost Mayanukvin, Beloshim, Ma'almim, Alumim. There's another reason why it's called Ma'almim, Alumim, in addition to what we explained about Alumim, Miloshim, Ilem, She'ena, Yachel, Adaber. In Hebrew, somebody who's Halila mute is called Ilem, right? Chareshim, Ve'ilmim, Aleph, Lamed, Mem. Means somebody who's mute, they can't, they don't have the ability to speak. So it's interesting, in Lashon Kaidish, the words are very precise. So Aluma, it's Shoirish's Aleph Lamed Mem, which means a bundle comes together. But it also has a completely different meaning, which would seem disconnected in the most extreme way. Somebody who can't speak. An Ilim, Ainayachaladab. So he says this is another reason why it's called Malam Aluma. Why? What happens when you mavara these nitzutzes? You bring it up, is what's called the process of bitl hayesh, the bitl, the cessation of the yeshes. The yeshes is the sense of separateness, the sense of period, the sense of fragmentation, the sense that I am on my own with my ego, big ego or small ego. Bitlayesh means he's really bottled. The yeshes, the separateness is really bottled to become included. As a result, he becomes the nitzitz becomes mute. What's becomes mute? He can't speak and project to somebody else. Because projecting and speaking always requires a certain state of yeshus, a certain state of, of separateness, and therefore I'm in a state of projecting. But since the main idea of this halah is the bitl of the yesh, so he's in a state where he's not projecting. It's called mute. 
Chazal have an expression when you're when you're occupied, absorbing, you can't emit. In 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 the, in the halachas of taruvas of kashros substances, when you're in, when you're involved in absorbing lemivla leyachelamiflat, you can't spit out, you can't emit. What's the meaning of this? What's the meaning? So after the parentheses, there's four lines around, but afterwards, when a person speaks, the function of speech is to communicate to somebody else. When a person is on their own, they don't need the skill of speech because the way you communicate to yourself is internal. Dibur, the main function, even though you could speak to yourself also, and you could prepare what you're going to say to somebody else. People do it all the time, you know, you practice your words. But that's all a preparation for communication. The function of Dibur is to connect you to the world outside of yourself. That's what Dibur is. Even when a person is speaking to themselves, yeah, it's because they see themselves as being outside of themselves. When you're internalized, and it's not a bad thing, that's the function of Dibur. The function of Dibur is communication, right? That's what we're doing right now. That's how the world runs. However, when a person is with themselves, they don't need so much, they don't need dibur. This is also understood lamaila. Lamaila means within the spiritual realms. Those who exist on a spiritual plane, they don't have a mouth, physical, the physical vocal cords. But there's always dibur. You know, today, I even saw this week, some new research came out, that they now talk about trees that talk to each other. Yeah, trees, I don't know if you know this, but uh, it's almost muscular by everybody, that trees are constantly communicating with each other, especially if they're from one family, and even if they're not family. They're warning each other about dangers, they're helping each other with nutrients, they're communicating about things you have to be afraid of. Now, it seems very strange to us, right? Because they don't have, obviously, the, the physical mechanisms... <laughs> or the ears or the mouths or the vocal cords that we we use we use for dibur or, or, or mammals or animals use for dibur. But that's not negeya. How the dibur is expressed is a different way. They have ways they, they, they emit chemicals, they emit they emit uh, they emit smells, they emit scents that the other tree knows. But the Chiddush is somebody sent me a few days ago that uh, Mamish, a new piece of research, that was a new, a new thing that was discovered, even though it's still being reviewed by scientific peers before it's published, and that is that they managed to actually detect a voice. People talk to their plants also. Yeah, that we know. That we know. So if the tree gets cut off, does the other tree get traumatized? Oh, so it's not so posh, yeah. So now... I, 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 somebody sent me a link. I, I just looked at it very fast a few days ago. But basically, a group of scientists, they managed to use technology to pick up sound frequencies, vibrations, vibrations that we can't hear. You know, just like we know that there's sounds that animals can hear, dogs can hear. We can't hear it. Push it our, um, our audio abilities don't, uh, don't detect it. Our brain doesn't... Uh, it doesn't get translated into anything. So we say it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist only means in my world it doesn't exist. Like we spoke many times about Ayin, right? Ayin. Yeah, yeah. Somebody is deaf, so it doesn't exist. Everybody else is Meshuggah. And they, huh? 
A dog whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also frequencies of light that we can't pick up. There's colors we don't know about. Doesn't we? Our retina doesn't have the ability. And they picked up. They detected sounds when a when a tree is being cut off, a tree a stem is being cut off, or it's being attacked by uh, by predators that are uh, coming to attack the tree. It releases certain sounds that other trees pick up. And certain living organisms could pick up. Certain living, for example, they realize that certain trees, when they're being attacked by caterpillars, they send out a sound sound that bats can hear. So the bats could come and get rid of the caterpillars, have them for dinner, so that the trees can survive. And this is sounds, sounds, sounds that they give out. Unbelievably fascinating. <laughs> they're partial talking. They're talking to whoever has to hear. Now you say, what do you mean they're talking? Who, who, where are these sounds coming from? Maybe it's just, the table didn't talk now. The table didn't talk now, right? Is it just completely um, involuntary? In other words, it's just a reaction. In other words, the vibration comes because something happens, so there's a vibration. Okay, so that's going to be a, a debate, but they also realize there's different sounds. There's different sounds if somebody is coming with a... Uh, with a uh, actual with a saw, if it was a chainsaw, if an animal is coming, different sounds like the tree exactly knows. When I was reading this, <laughs> it was unbelievably fascinating of, of what's going on in the world. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Wow. So, uh, uh, yeah, but that's the idea. That's the idea. Now, once once you once you learn these, my modern, it's almost it's of course this way because the core of everything is Dvar Hashem. So there's there's an intelligence in everything. Everything has an Hashem. The question is how it's expressed, what its purpose is. But that's the whole Nakuda here. Everything has an Hashem. Everything is really divine. There's achdos Hashem, the, and that's what we see. That the more this progress, the more the world progresses, you see more and more not only the spirituality of the universe, but the unity of the universe. I think I told you once a line from a physicist. He was a Nobel Prize winner. He's considered one of the fathers of of, uh, of theoretical physics and quantum mechanics. His name was Max Planck, and he once said. I'm not saying it verbatim, but just a line. He said that today, you do not say, from his perspective, he says, today I would never say that uh, consciousness is a derivative of matter. It's the other way around. All matter is a derivative of consciousness. Huh? Which means, which means that it's not like there's matter, there's physicality, and consciousness comes from the matter. In other words, there is, there is matter, and now there's a question of how you feel about it, how you think about it. He said, no, matter is a derivative of consciousness. The physical is born from how you look at it, how you think about it, how you understand it. In other words, you change your mind, you change your mind. You're seeing, you're seeing what you think you're seeing, what your mind allows you to tell yourself you're seeing. That's what you're seeing. <clears throat> All these types of ideas and statements, it all brings out the very powerful point. The deeper you go, 
the more the material converges with the spiritual. And the more the world becomes united. And then in the deepest levels, it's all one. It's just the one is the way it's manifested in, in, in varieties, in diversity. First taste. And it's in small things and in big things. You're in an argument with somebody. You get into an argument with somebody, right? And you make up with them. You maver al midoisov. You you go beyond your anger and your your fury and the ego and the insecurity, and you make a call. Today you don't make a call. You send a text. Uh, but I don't think a text is good for this. And you make up with somebody. Yeah, what you just do? You were just took the nitsutsis from a place of pirud to a place of actos. It's in every nikudah like that. You get into an argument with your spouse. It never happens. And there's this disharmony in the house, right? And you sit down and you crumble from a place of fragmentation. Fragmentation, which brings a lot of other results because it's, it's an union of shvira. All fragmentation is shvira. All co- always comes from brokenness. Separation comes from brokenness. That's the yisoyed of this maimah. There's no separation that doesn't come from brokenness. Not diversity, separation, division, fragmentation, pirut. We're not talking about diversity. Diversity doesn't come from brokenness. Pirut, the sense of separation, isolation, which brings to anger and, and, and the hurt that comes from the fact that I'm in my own bubble and my own cocoon. When I can come out of that and connect, it takes courage. That's a small but very powerful part of the revolution of bringing the period back to Achtos, bringing the Nitzitzes back to Achtos. And the same is true in every Nikud of life. There's always living with the consciousness of oneness or living with the consciousness of fragmentation. It's a choice a person makes constantly. Am I busy ma'almim alumim or am I busy taking the alumim and just believing in the separation? What do they say? Either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem, one of the two. Either you're living in a place of ma'almim alumim, right? God-centered consciousness, oneness consciousness, enoid mulvada. My job is to take stalks and create oneness. Or the other way around. Which, which world am I living in? I decide which world I'm living in. That's which world my mind is in. But here we come to even a deeper nakuda. What is ilaim? Ilaim is mute. What is dibur? Dibur is communication. What's communication? Communication is for the other. That's the function of communication. So he says it's here, but it's also lamayla. The Gemara speaks about a person who was in a cemetery and they heard two spirits talking to each other about the weather for the next year. Two spirits speaking. But there's no body, there's no vocal cords, there's no sound, there's no mouth. What's Trachtei Ruchis Mesapris? The word is, Upchines Koyach Dibur, the way it's manifested by us is through the vocal cords on the mouth. But the concept of Dibur is the ability to communicate to somebody outside of you. And in the case of Dibur, it goes from the ila, from the cause, to the effect, like from the teacher to the student. But This is only when the ila, the source, is a separate muhus. 
then he can become the mentor and the mashpia, the one who speaks and communicates to the student, to the alu, to the result. But when the ila is completely dovuk, he's connected, dvekus, right? He cleaves to his ila, to his, to his source. And he's occupied to absorb the sheva for himself. Then automatically he's in a state of bitl, in a state of of self-negation, of self-transcendence. Legabi, his own source. He doesn't have the capacity to give. Dibur always requires a certain amount of yeshus, a certain amount of separateness. When he's completely in tune with his source, he's now in awe, he's mesmerized, he's overtaken, he's overwhelmed. You can't be in a state of dibur. He's in a state of kabbalah, of receiving. I don't know how I'm supposed to talk about this. I'm supposed to talk about what the Balatanya is saying here. <laughs> Talking about is like the opposite of what he's saying. <laughs> huh? That's what he spoke about the Rav and the Talmud and the Maimer of Reb Hillel Bashabas Nachamu, right? What was the whole Nekudah there? That in the middle of the Shir, the Rav suddenly becomes silent because he absorbed a new light. And if he continues talking, that's, he's done. He's, he's never going to have that anymore. And he has to become silent, which means he distances himself from the student, right? You remember the long muscle that we learned about? Why? Because he's in a different mode. He's in a completely different mode. He's in a mode of, of bitlayash. Dibur, on the other hand, means that it's already internalized in me, becomes part of me, and now I am communicating it to you. Walter Rebbe writes in Shmois, why Moshe Rabbeinu had an inability to talk, kvat per kvat lashen. He tells Hashem, I'm not a man of words, because he was always absorbing. He was always absorbing. It was like from the water. He was always absorbing. His soul was always in a state of bitl hayesh, of Bittl. So therefore he says, I can't talk, I can't communicate. You know, when a person is standing in front of an overwhelming scene, you don't have words, because it hasn't yet become integrated into your defined identity. On the contrary, your identity is, what's the word, is... It's obliterated, yeah. It's, it's obliterated in the moment. You have so, to process it. It's like when you see it, something startling, everything yeah. gets quiet. Startling, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all Dibur comes from a certain separation. Yeah. There was a son of the Balatanya, his name was Reb Chaim Avram. Reb Chaim Balatanya had a few sons. One succeeded him, the Mithlid Rebbe Reb Daiv Ber. He had a younger son, Reb Moshe. There was a middle son of Chaim Avram. Chaim Avram just looked just like his uh, father. And he lived much longer than his brothers. And he, when his, so the Altarev passed away, his son took over, and then when he passed away, his grandson took over, the Tzamech Tzadik. Chaim Avram was still alive. They used to ask him to talk, to say something, and he never, he was very quiet. They used to ask him and nudge him. He never liked to speak. Once, 
they asked him and they begged. They said, just say something from your father. You don't have to. Just chaza from your father, not the new. So he agreed. So, so big oil came to shul for shalashudas or whatever it was. Came the time to speak. And he says one pasuk from Tehillim. Kufyutes. Belibi tzafanti imrasecha laman loy echtalach. I have concealed your words in my heart so that I shouldn't sin. And that was that was the end. Believe me, Why? It's not just when a person speaks they can lie. Yeah, that's also true. When people speak, they lie. But we're not talking about that. Much deeper. Dibur already, by definition, it compromises the truth of something. You have no choice. If you're not going to communicate it, then you won't communicate it. But you have to recognize that. The Pasuk says, Nafshi My soul comes out when I speak. So literally it means that some people speak and their whole soul comes out. Reb Tzadik of Lublin writes, when you speak about it, the soul goes out. Nafshi <laughs> You kill it. <laughs> the Hest, you speak, you spoke about it, Nafshi You You lose the Neshama. It's not an attack on speech. It's just an understanding that all dibur comes with tzimtzum. It's it's post-filtering. It's post-processing. It's post-integration. And dibur comes from a certain sense of self-sufficiency. Right? A person is very nervous. A person is very nervous. Uh, they still are standing in front of the presence of a person. All their words are taken away from them. Why? Because to speak, there's a certain confidence that's needed. But people, a lot of people are very afraid of speaking. They, they see a crowd and they just, they melt. So that confidence is a good confidence. You have a message, communicate it. But when you're speaking about in, in profound spirituality, Dibra comes from the fact that there's a certain sense of self-reliance. I'm here. You have to have presence when you speak. One of the biggest mistakes of people when they speak is they have no presence. Speaking before words, it's always about presence. You'll always see somebody gets up, they have presence, they don't have presence. If they have presence, it's going to be successful. If they, even if they don't have much to say. If they don't have presence, even if they have what to say, it's going to be much harder for people to... You know what I mean by presence? Huh? Charisma? Uh, Charisma? Charisma. They have a shtel. It's a shtel. Huh? Presence comes from an inner sense that I belong here. You right away see it. The guy gets up if he believes he belongs there or not. Most people don't believe they belong there. And if you don't believe you belong there, I certainly don't believe you belong there. <laughs> right? The person starts walking around. Uh, 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 uh. My name is so-and-so. Really? You think we didn't know your name? I said, why did I come here if you're telling me your name? Uh, I was born here. Yeah, you have it on your resume on every table. I know where you were born, right? Um, I don't know why they invited me to speak. Really? I also don't know why they invited you to speak. Uh, and then they say, right. the guy who spoke before me said everything. Said everything. The people who spoke before me already said everything. You ever see it on Shabbat Brachas Friday night? Yeah. 12 o'clock at night, there were 29 speakers. Finally, he gets up and he says, everybody said everything. I have nothing to say. And I say, I agree. I completely agree. That's why you should sit down. But I just want to add. And suddenly, 45 minutes later, he has plenty to say. <laughs> now, it's funny. 
But all this, it, 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 it kills the success of it. Because you have to really articulate what's your job, what's your mission. If you belong there, you belong there. If you don't belong there, you don't belong there. Don't feign humility when it's not real. That presence is a tremendous thing in the world of Dibur. In the world of real Bittl, person can't be in that place. Sometimes there's people, when they're in their own places, they are as projective as can be. They come back to their source, though, yeah, and they probably quiet. It's that silence that allows you to speak when you have to speak. <coughs> when I was a little kid, my brother had a bar mitzvah. So my family went in on a yechidus to the Rebbe, to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So I was there with my father and mother and siblings. And the Rebbe turned to me. And he says uh, in Yiddish, Efshe kenstemidet selen a story. Story he said in English. Efshe kenstemidet selen a story. Could you tell me a story? That's what the Lubavitcher Rebbe asked me. So I, uh, I didn't say anything. I was quiet. I was a very shy boy. I'm still a shy boy. He said, episode story from what those galarent. Maybe a story that from something you learned. I was quiet. He said, tell my story. So he says again, a story of like an other Mauritian, like an Avram, like a Noyach. Those are the three uh, Adam. Then he went to Avram, then he went back to Noyach. Not sure about the reason for that Seder, but that's a separate Shia. I was quiet. I didn't say a word. I looked at him, I stared at him. And I didn't say a word. And he kept on asking me a few times. And I wouldn't respond. Not yes, not no, not a word. So he smiled. And he went on to talk to the other people who were more responsive. I guess my father, my mother, my mitzvah, and this. Okay. We went out. My brother, his name is Baruch, who was my mitzvah boy. He tells me, he says, you know, the funny thing is, you walked out of that room. And since then, you haven't stopped talking. <laughs> you haven't stopped telling stories. He says, how do you explain this? Over there, you, you walked out, he said, I haven't heard you stop talking since then. You don't stop telling stories. What happened? <laughs> and then he said, maybe since you were silent in that room. So therefore, you have what to say when you came out of the room. He says, maybe it's Chaba Hatalia. One is dependent on the other. Yeah. The Rebbe gave you a cut. Uh, <laughs> he gave you a cut. Okay, yeah. That's what he was saying. In other words, there's the place where speaking is the most crucial thing. And if you don't speak, right? Where silence is a crime. So Eli Wiesel used to say that evil doesn't happen because of bad people who do bad things. It happens good people who are silent. Which is very true. Of course it happens through evil people doing evil things. But it's good people who are like, shh. We all know what we're told. We all know how true that is. There's a moment when silence becomes a crime, but there's also a moment when words become a crime. <laughs> there's a moment when silence becomes a crime because now, like Shmuel told Shaul Hamelech, when he was du- ducking, uh, when he was uh, shunning away, when he was shying away from responsibility, you think you're small, but you're the leader of the Jewish people. You can't, you can't be so humble. 
a leader says, I don't know, I, um, I don't exist, Achtos Hashem, <laughs> it's a disaster. You're the leader, right? That's the moment when silence becomes a very, very immoral thing. Silence is not justified then. You have to speak. But that's in the world of projection. That's in the world of leadership. That's when people are dependent on you. A mother and father who don't speak to their kids and the kids have to make all their own decisions, that's not called parenting. You have to be a mashpia. But for a mashpia to be a real mashpia, there has to come a time when the mashpia is a makabal. Because a real mashpia is always a much bigger makabal than he's a mashpia. You understand what I'm saying? A real mashpia is always receiving much more than he's giving. I mentioned the Rebbe, the Rebbe once told somebody, the Lord once told somebody that before I ask any of my chassidim to do anything, yeah, I first think if they can do 50% of it and then I ask for it. But he said, before you demand, when you demand something from somebody else, you have to demand at least double from yourself. <laughs> you know, you talk about talk, the, talk, walk the walk, right? Do as I say, not as I do. It's not only do as I do, not as I say. If I'm asking you to do something, I have to ask for myself to do double that amount. He says, because then you're entitled to be a mashpia. Not that you ask the same thing. What I ask, no, you have to ask double from yourself. It gives you a perspective. A real mashpia is much more a makabal than a mashpia. Now, the student may not see it. The student sees his teacher full presence. But that teacher in the presence of his teacher complete silence and only that vacus allows him to get something that when he leaves the source he can give because if not you don't have what to give so also means mute what does muteness mean there's two types of muteness there's muteness that comes from weakness from insecurity and there's muteness that comes from dvekus, from intimacy Elam that comes from insecurity is associated with another word in Hebrew. There's another word in Hebrew, Aleph Lamed Mem, and it's called. Uh, well, that's what's Ayin. Aleph Lamed Mem has another word, Alam. You know what that is? A bully. A bully. Called the Alam Gvar is an expression in Gemara. Whoever is the bigger bully wins. Meaning the guy who screams louder. Alam in Hebrew is a bully. Bullying is called and uh, violence called alimut. Yeah, alimut is violence. How do you explain that? Mute is elay and, and bully because it's the same thing. The bully is usually muted out. The bully is expressing frustration because somewhere else he's being muted. He's he can't speak. So his bullying, his violence, is his way of getting attention or validation. It's very deep how the Hebrew language works. The word for being silent is the word for bullying because he's being silenced somewhere. That's the elaim that needs help because he's becoming a bully because he has no way of expressing himself. Now, this doesn't justify bullying. It just means that parents and educators have to identify the nitzots in the bullying. There's a nitzots there. It's a broken spark. The broken spark is I need a bull because I need the principal to notice me. I need the teacher to notice me. I need the kids to say I'm strong or I'm powerful or I, I deserve to exist. And I knew in, in our yeshiva there were bullies and they, the, the way they were treated at home was a shrek. So where did they become uh, chashava people? 
they became chashuva people in the in school, right? Rabbis, uh, sometimes I travel, so rabbis tell me about board meetings of the shuls. So he says, he says, you have people who are multimillionaires, respected, respected CEOs, but at board meetings in shul, they become mamish like uh, two-year-olds. So I asked him why. He says, Pasha, at home he has to behave, because if not, his wife will throw him out. At work, he has 3,000 employees under him, so he has to make believe he's confident. Where do all of his insecurities come out? In shul. At the board meetings in shul. That's where all the stuff come out. That's one type of elam. But there's another type of elam that comes from a much deeper place. And that's what bittel means. Bittel is associated with silence. But it's not the silence of weakness. It's the silence of strength. It's the silence when you're mesmerized by something infinite and you have no words. You can't catch your breath. And you don't want to be separate from it. You, you're not going to separate. You're in a complete state of absorption. And whenever you're in a state of Kabbalah, you're not in a state of Ashba. In a state of Kabbalah, there's no I. What does it mean to receive? To receive means there's no I. To speak, there has to be an I. I'm speaking. And if I'm speaking, I can't receive. Speaking is a different mode. Kabbalah means there's no I. What does it mean to be a real Makab? What does it mean to be a real student? To be a real student means there's no I. We spoke in that mind, man. Many of us don't know what that means because we don't want to trust anybody. I'm not going to, there's no I. I'm always going to sit there and, and judge you. But that's not a makabal. A makabal means I don't judge. Because if I judge, I can't absorb. Absorb means I don't exist now. I cease to exist. I'm completely, my antennas are tuned into frequencies beyond me. And the moment it's about me, I like it, I don't like it, I agree, he's good, he's bad. Your antennas are compromised. Now you're going to hear what you want to hear. Most people, when they hear speeches, what are they listening to? They're not listening to the guy. They're listening to themselves. I like it. Well, not bad. I heard it already. Now, maybe it's on that level. You can't go more than that. But a real makabal and a real mashpia, I don't hear myself anymore. I don't have opinions. I don't care if I like it or not. It's completely irrelevant. Now, for that, you have to have somebody you trust. If you don't have somebody you trust, why should you do that? You're not going to put yourself away to listen to somebody that you don't really trust. You can have opinions. That's what we do. Yeah? Why do children remember things so much better than adults? Because children listen. But children actually listen. You'll see, your kids remember, they'll tell you everything you said to them when they were three and when they were, you know, your kids like 10 years later remind you of a promise you made Chalamayat Pesach like 12 years ago and you didn't fulfill, right? And that's why you're such a bad father. And like, really? Really? <laughs> I asked once one of my sons, why are you so upset at me? She said, you promised me a dollar. It was two years earlier. It was two years earlier. Isn't that right? Well, the elephants have a good memory. Yeah? We, we, we don't, why is it that way? We, we, adults develop. The answer is because children actually listen. Or believe. <laughs> yeah, and they absorb it. They're wet sponges. They absorb it. Adults, we don't know. We don't, who, who, has, who has mental space to listen? I listen if it's entertaining. If there's something in it for me. It's a commercial. You say something good, I listen. You're not saying, next, 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 next. Now, there's a reason we become that way. We become cynical because we have sat by many, many boring and irrelevant lessons. So what do you want from people? What do you want from them? There was a boy in yeshiva. I taught in a yeshiva, Gemara, based Madrash. And I would give him a long shear Gemara. So, I don't know, it was a little, pretty long shear. And he would sit in front and he would look at me for two hours. And I saw that he's not listening at all. But he would look at me. So once I called him over and I complimented him. And I said, it's unbelievable. I see that it's not going. And he says, no, I don't listen. I said, but your mama stare at me. It's like unbelievable. He says, yeah, I've had 
15 years of training with my father. <laughs> 15 years of training. I had to look at him because if not, the consequences were dire. And I learned not to listen to a single word that he spoke. So he says, I just used my experience with my father. He was with you. <laughs> you understand? So, so I told him, we're going to have to redo this program here because uh, this is not going to work, not for me and not for you. I'm not going to watch this, you being abused there for two hours. Better that you don't come to my class and you do something productive than uh, just sit two hours. I don't need uh, robots like this who are being tortured. It tortures me too. But the point is, there's a reason we grow cynical. It's not about judging. But it's about the real, but the real mashpia knows that if you're not more of a makabal than a mashpia, you can't be mashpia. Why? Because what you're giving to people is very limited stuff. It's things that uh, Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz once told me. He said that uh, the worst thing that a teacher can do and a speaker to do is stop growing themselves and just relying on their old knowledge to give to people because they themselves are bored of it. If they're not being challenged themselves, you have to give what's challenging you, what's stimulating you. If you're just repeating your old titles, he says, it's, 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 it's just dead. You're going to get away with it, he says. Most people won't know, but you'll know. You're, you're on empty. The, the real mashpi has to be much more of a makabal with inside himself that's completely beyond the hashpah. Because then, when he's actually mashpiyah, it's coming from a place of newness. There's creativity there. Huh? There's chitosh, yeah. There's a madrash rabba, people who catch fish. So they, you always know you go to the lake or the river after the rain. After a rain, the fish rise to the top, to the surface, and it's very easy to catch them. That's the class. So the madrash says, why? So the madrash says, because when it rains, the fish come up because they want, they want the water. <coughs> Asks the madrash rabba when they want the water. They're in water 24 hours a day. Says they want fresh water. <laughs> they want new water. They're in water 24 hours a day, but it's the same old. They want fresh water. It's a different level. They want the rainwater. It comes from heaven, you know. God is giving new water. Same is true with, with, with communication. People, I've been in the water. I've heard it again and again and again. Give me fresh water. Give me, how could you give fresh water if you're not fresh? So it's really the other way around. The more bittle the mashpia has to his mashpia, to the point where he doesn't exist because he's completely absorbing, he actually can get something new beyond himself. And then ultimately give that to the best of his capacity. So means two things. Number one, it means the unity. But that unity also comes with a silence. Because when the nitzutzes go up and they experience the bittle hayash, into the Achtas Hashem, there's a silence. And what's that silence? That silence is the silence of true absorbing that which is infinite, that which is transcendent. I can't talk at the moment, because if I'm talking, it's already a completely different mode. This is a moment when the yesh, when the sense of I surrenders so it can absorb something that completely transcends it. I'm sorry for talking about this, but I didn't know of another method. Uh, that's why I guess you have to meditate. You have to sit and just think about it. Huh? Tafasta? See, when the Rabbi Shirebi, when I see tapes of him, uh, videos of him speaking, 
almost like he's not speaking. It's almost like he's coming from a higher place. How do you see that? How do you? <clears throat> because he seems like it's, it just seems like what he's saying is coming from a higher place. It's, it's such high, it's so refined and so on the point where he's speaking. <laughs> So MS, so 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 not not any agenda, or, uh, like you know, for himself. Or, uh, I, I Is that good? But he can nagain hamen nagain vatihi alav ruach Hashem. You remember that word? The mezit shemaget. But he can nagain hamen nagain. Wow, you remember. Well, when the menagin becomes a musical instrument, it's an unbelievable word. Word from the Magad. When the menagin becomes a nagin, when he becomes like a violin, you're just a, a keli, you're not a. Uh, yeah, it's not about my opinion. I can't, I can't sit there critically. But you have to have somebody you can trust for that. First taste? The silence, the silence. The Shvat and Yosef was saying we all know how to be silent. We know this art of silence. How do you know a family is in good shape? How do you know a They know how to be silent together. They know how to be silent with each other. Right? A husband and a wife, they know how to be silent. To talk, everybody knows how to talk. To argue, the ability of silence. Silent together. I don't mean silence, you run away from the house. You could just be silent. You don't have to have an opinion always. You could just absorb. You could... Uh, Right? Yosef wanted that they should all be able to be silent together. But it didn't work at the end. <laughs> he wanted they should be able to We should be able to be quiet with each other. Huh? Silent together. Still. Huh? Called the Mamadaka. Called the Mamadaka, yeah. The still silent voice. Yeah. Reb Sheshes, the Gemara says in, in Brachas, Reb Sheshes was blind. Dafnon Ches. Ahmed. Very good. Brachas Dafnon Ches. Reb Sheshes went, the king was coming, so he went with a tzeduki. He was blind. So, so, and, the tzeduki, and the entourage came with a lot of commotion, and the tzeduki wanted to make a bracha and get excited. Reb Sheshes said, no, 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 no. This is not the Melech. Then another entourage came, and another one, and every time the Sadducee got deceived, this is the king, no, 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 you know, the motorcade, this is the president, this is, no, no, no. And then it was quiet, and Rapshesha said, this is the Melech. So he said, how did you know? It was Taka the Melech. Rapshesha couldn't see. So he said, because the Tanakh says, that there was an earthquake, and there was a thunder, and there was a fire, and Eliyahu Anavi was speaking to Hashem, and he said, no, no, that's not where God is. And then there was a cold mamadaka, a still silent voice. He says, this is where it is. Loi be'esh Hashem, loi be'ra'ash Hashem, loi be'ru'ach Hashem. 
So Pshesha said, Malchus came Malchus Malchus here is a reflection of Malchus there. The Tzduki says, you in your blindness have seen more than me with my uh, eyesight. Or as Helen Keller said, the only thing that's worse than losing your eyesight is losing your vision. <laughs> Helen Keller, right? So, uh, in other words, there's uh, there's Repshashis understood. He says that the silence is a greater keli for a lakus than the noise. Because noise means... It's my hispilus. Yeah, and I, I'm getting excited. I'm emotional, and now it's beautiful. So everyone thinks when you're emotional about it, it means you're more connected. It's, it's not that way. It's a different type of connection. It's a connection that's about my identity. In silence, the connection is where I'm tuned in to the reality that, that's beyond me. I, there's nothing, there's, I have nothing to say. Huh? That's why Shemayin Esther is silent. To receive it and transmit at the same time is impossibility. Right. If I'm receiving, I can't transmit. And if I'm transmitting, I can't receive. A little bit when you transmit, you still have to receive, but it's a different type of receiving. The receiving is subservient to the transmission. Right? It's subservient. It's there, but it's subservient because the focus is transmission, and it's a certain mindset. It has to. You have to be assertive. You really have to be. You have to be comfortable with yourself. Kabbalah means you're completely not comfortable. You completely forget about yourself. You really can't transmit. If you, you're in a state of transmitting, then you're not going to be makabel. It's a state of real bittel, but it's it's the ultimate. It's 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 very enriching because it allows you to to be uh, transported to a place that's higher. So Moshe was telling Hashem, I'm not made to speak. I'm never. <laughs> I don't do this. I'm not from those guys. I'm not on the roster of, uh, of speakers. I just don't do this. My antennas are in tune to infinity. And if your antennas are in tune to infinity, where do you come to speak? The moment you speak, you're already, you're, you're, you're chopping off, you're, you're cutting off the sounds. The moment you speak, you're already limiting it. I don't want to go there. I want to stay in a state of infinity. How? How? By silence. By silence. I don't have to assimilate it into my identity. So the Al-Balatanya says this was a very powerful thing. Moshe was telling Hashem, it's not a small thing. (laughs) And there was Hashem's answer to him. That's a separate sugya. Hashem said, I'm the one who created speech. I I can create a synthesis between the two. I'll be with you in this. Your speaking will not be a compromise of your infinity. It could be, it could be when someone, it could be even a, high, even a higher level of bits when someone's able to speak like Moshe Rabbeinu later on. That's true. That's true. That's what Hashem told him. I'm going to help you, show you that in your Dibur you could stay, uh, si- remain silent. But that's a unique... Uh, could. So Yosef is telling his brothers, you think we guys can be silent together? Through Bitl Ayesh. So why, where, they, where why they misinterpreted okay. it? Well, <laughs> so. We have to get to that. When you spoke about the bully, 
reminded me you said about the addiction. The addiction is not the problem. That's the solution. Right. So the bullying also. The bullying is the solution. It's a, it's a problem with the people around him. Yeah. Bullying, yeah. That's not his problem. His right. problem is that's not where you fix it. Yeah. To stop the bullying and find out what right. it is right. that's bringing that out. Right. I mean, you have to always protect the children who yeah. are being bullied, right. no question. Yes. Yes. Bullying can have devastating consequences. Well, it's usually kids that are abused at home, they're bullied. That's the point, that the bullying is not his problem, the bullying is his solution. This is his outlet. This is his... Uh... And the reason is because he's mute. He has no way of, of expressing himself. So he uses... abuse, he's mute. He uses his fists. When he's being abused, he's quiet. So he does to others what it's been done to him. It's very powerful in Moshe and how it works together. There's the silence that comes. Elam is a mute. Elam is mute. Alam is a bully. Or in Aramaic, it's Alim. Called the Alam Gvar. Baba Basa, you have whoever. Sometimes Bezdin says, called the Alam Gvar, which means we have nothing to say here, go fight it out. Literally means whoever is more powerful wins. <laughs> you know. Street fight, called the Alam Gvar. It actually doesn't mean that they should fight, it just means work it out between yourselves because we have no. Same letters completely, right? Mamish. Aleph, Lamed, Mem, and it's a Shayrish of Aluma, which is uh, bringing the Shibboleth together. And here, too, you have two types of Alumas. You have where I take away your individuality, so you can't, you're not allowed to speak because you're just part of the group. Right? That's like the bully who's quiet. And then there's the silence that comes because I elevate you to a place of oneness. And therefore you're silent. So both exist. Is a group a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Is a group of the pets? There's the idea of the group where you don't exist. And that's exactly the point of the group. The point is you don't exist. <laughs> Right? We don't care about your existence. But that's that's not real bittel. That's fake bittel. That's abuse of bittel. And then there's the real idea we're discussing is that you come back to Achtus Hashem, Einoid Movadai, where you exist in your infinite form. Like the base coming back to Baruch doesn't stop existing. Right? Like you said yesterday, it exists uh, more. It becomes much more. What is the real touch of Alma? Pashtus? The Gedanks of Shulchaida? Yeah, they said Bentle. What has Bentle to do with Alma? No, what has Bentle to do with Alma of Ilaim? I know what it now, what it has to do, but then. No, in Pshat, in Pshat, they don't connect it. It's one of those mysteries of Lashon Kaidish. Alma and Bentle, yeah. We were standing in the field taking. They were farmers. Today, alumos, alumos, amorim, alumos. In Malachis of Shabbos, there's ma'amer. Ma'amer is when you take uh, grain and you make piles. Huh? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just saying it's another word for it, ma'amer. But the Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Rebbe said that uh, with tying them together, it brings achtos. He made a... That's the... Mo- yeah, that's what Yosef was saying, that our job as shvatim is, this is what we do for a living. What's the job of a Jew? Who's to come into a fragmented situation and bring unity? That's his job. What's the difference of diversity and, and separation? In Yiddish? 
In Lashon Kodesh, diversity means, uh, diversity would be, uh, I don't know what's the word, Rav Gvaniyut, they say by you guys, no? Multicolorful, I don't know what's the word for diversity. Uh, the word for fragmentation is Pirud, Pirud, Machloikas, Pirud. Yeah, but diversity means, diversity means like you'll have a piece of art that has many colors. So there's diverse colors, but they all get along. A lot of different minim. Minim. Different minim. You have Dalad minim. There's diversity. A lulav, an esrig, a hadas, an arava. You have a minion of people. There's diversity, right? Different age, different group, different types, different personalities. Diversity is like beis reish vav chaf. So it could be separate, or it could be together in within their their akeli for the erfaker. The diversity becomes part of the unity, like a jigsaw puzzle. A body is diverse. If the brain was doing what the liver was doing, you wouldn't live. If the heart was doing what the kidney was doing, it has to be diverse. It's the diversity that creates the miracle of life. But it's one miracle. It's one organism. I don't look in the mirror, wake up in the morning and say, oh, there's like nine, nine, there's 40 trillion personalities in me. I mean, some people do, and we call it illness. But there are 40 trillion personalities in you. There are. Because each cell has a different function. But the 40 trillion are one. Kulam b'chachmasis. I mean, that's the brilliance of the, that's the vart, right? 40 trillion are really one. I don't say there's 40 trillion things inside of me. I have a body, I'm alive. But really, 40 trillion cells. You're not alive. You have 40 trillion living, living uh, organisms in you. 40 trillion, not 40 million. You know what that is, right? It's a number, 40 trillion. You ever saw 40 trillion people, Isaac? <laughs> you ever saw 40 million people? Most people in their life never see a group, yeah? That's more than a few thousand. Huh? So you'll see 90,000 at the Siyamashas. If you go to Miran, you'll see a few hundred thousand. If you go to Uman, you go to Lahavdal, yeah? How many people? They say half a million. Half a million in Woodstock, okay. But who sees so many people usually? Huh? Not half a million. No. Oh, Woodstock? Woodstock. Uh, Woodstock. I thought you said Umar. <laughs> no, there's Woodstock and there's Yitzstock. <laughs> okay. A lot of Jews. A lot of Jews. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm flying to Yitzchak on the Shabbos, you know, so next... Uh, Two weeks we're taking a hiatus. Huh? Hanukkah, the week of Hanukkah. But we'll start after. Is the Rav going to be speaking in uh, Eretz Yisrael? Yeah. Where? Binyanei Haoma. When? I'm going to be there. I'll go. Okay. What What night? What day? Uh, email me, I'll send you a link to everything. Yeah, I'm going Sunday. Okay. Uh, so it's that, it's that week? Yeah. What is it about? One second, what's his I don't know. As we, uh, listen, a person not doing something is probably coming from somewhere. So it's always coming from. He's in a bad mood. He's angry. He's depressed. He's lazy. He's uh, yeah, loses his passion. He loses his. Uh, he's indifferent. But people could do the old toy, like 
time and everything, but there's still the Shvidas that are broken. Ain't a chanamah. But that's not called Yerida. Listen, the vocabulary that you grew up with, you have to get rid of. <laughs> Control, delete. Empty your What were you explaining in the beginning that this is a difference because Shvidas are kind of after suddenly about the feeling. No, I was explaining the difference of going down and falling. Going down, we, we don't call this you did, we call it nefila. Because going down could be, I was on the first floor, I was on the second floor, and I go down to the first floor, I'm still the same person. I'm a little in a lower place, right? I go down. Every person, you go down. Nefila means a person falls, it represents that there's a, a, a breakaway. I don't recognize myself anymore. In psychological terms, when a person has trauma, they're not the same person anymore from before. It's not, I went, people say, I went through a difficult year in business, in my relationship. Okay, you went through a, but you're still the same, you're in control, you know what's going on, right? A person went through a trauma is a different person, right? Something broke inside of them. That's what I meant. The Tzvira Sakelem wasn't just that the Tzutzis are going through a difficult time. They're not recognizable anymore. They don't know who they are anymore. The post-trauma person is not the same person like before. That's what I meant. A person goes through a difficult kufa. It happens to everybody. It was a hard day at work. It was a hard day here. It was a hard day there. I made a mistake. Whatever whatever happened. right? The coffee spilled on him by breakfast and he blamed his daughter and she missed the bus and uh, his wife missed the doctor's appointment. You know those mornings, right? The car wouldn't start. Huh? And the car wouldn't start. And the car doesn't start. And then when you got it started, it got towed away. It got towed away. And you have to go three days to get abused, to come up with $1,200 cash to get back your car. Okay. You know what I mean? Good. So you need a good shower and you need a good rest. And you need a, and you're, back, you're back a day later. That's not trauma. Trauma doesn't happen from that. I mean, it's not comfortable, but it's not. Nefila means I go push it through a... A break. It's a break. Like chas v'shalom when somebody breaks a bone. It's a different level. There's something broken. It has to be put back together. You can't just say, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not a bandit anymore. Two things broke. They're not, they're not together anymore. You have to bring it back together. And it's an avoy then. It's, very, it's a different... And there's emotionally, emotionally, when a person breaks, yeah, there's a bone breaks, emotionally a person breaks, they're not together anymore. Their brains sometimes are not working together. They don't see things in a way that they used to see things. And if, it's, if it happened as a child, so they don't even know what it means to see things the other way. They see the world as a very different place. Almost, and, and you see this, that their brains are not working. The different parts of their brain are broken. Some regions of their brain are cut off. They don't even see it anymore. But they feel it. Yeah, that's phantom pain because it's always connected. I'm saying that's a whole different, um, a different avoid. Okay, have a wonderful day, a wonderful Shabbos. A wonderful couple of weeks. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at triple w dot the yeshiva dot net slash donate.